The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all joining us here on this Wednesday evening, or if you're checking us later on any of the favorite places you like to watch or listen to your podcast from. It is a fun time in the sports world, and we have quite a bit to discuss today. It is DJ joined, as always, by Kelsey. And Kelsey, MLB All-Stars coming up. We got NBA free agency in full swing. NFL training camps are around the way. Interesting developments on the soccer pitch, as well as in the fisticuffs world. There's quite a bit going on these days. USFL championship this weekend in Canton. Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff going on there all over the place. Uh, you know, it's, it's an exciting time. Uh, you mentioned the messy situation there on the soccer pitch. It's been uh, exciting to see, to say the least. Uh, obviously, them getting a new head coach as well at Inter-Miami at the same time. Potentially messy in the uh, All-Star Skills competition. We'll have to wait and see. Happened with Hector Herrera when he got announced with the Houston Dynamo a couple years back. So we'll see if the same thing happens here with Messi. If it does happen, uh, I'm calling Hector. And um, we are finding out if we can get tickets. Um, so, Hector, if you're watching, uh, please let me know if, uh, if if you have an inside track on whether or not Messi's competing because I need to figure out a way to get tickets for that if that's the case. Absolutely. Definitely something to keep an eye out for. A whole lot going on as well, too, but we're not going to waste any time. That's going to take us right into the tip-off. And, of course, the tip-off brought to you by our good friends over at SeatGeek. Use code BELLYUPSPORTS for $20 off your first order there at SeatGeek. Get yourself the best tickets for your favorite sporting events or concerts or just about anything that you can get tickets for. And, we're going to go and lead things off today on the baseball diamond. And for MLB, the all-star game right around the corner, second round of voting ends in 24 hours or less, give or take. So yeah. right now it's the, we're looking at basically a head-to-head situation at every single position. So we're just going to kind of go through those, take a look at them and see who we think should get in if it's the right two guys for, for the situation. So we're going to go ahead and start in the American league. I'm going to look at first base. We got Yandy Diaz taking on Vlad Guerrero Jr. And, Right now, according to the percentages, it's about 54 to 46 with Diaz out in front. And I think he's going to get the nod on this one. I think Guerrero has a very strong base, and I think it's going to get close. But I think Diaz is going to hold on just by a little bit with the season the Rays have had. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to not give it to Yandy Diaz. But here's the thing. We all know how this all-star voting goes. It very much is a popularity contest at the end of the day. And don't be surprised if Toronto, does, Toronto fans do make a big push for Vladdy to get in there. Personally, I voted for Yandy. Um, I think he's he's more deserving of it this season, at least to be the starter. Uh, 315 average, 12 home runs, you know, less RBIs than Vlad, but he does have a 916 OPS, which is about 200 points higher than Vlad's. Well, maybe 116 higher. Um, plus, he's been carrying my fantasy team. So, you know, shout out Yandy Diaz. That might be just what he needs to keep it over the top to hold on to that slight lead as the fantasy team carrying. But that's going to now take us to second base. And you did mention uh, the the Blue Jays. Well, they got, a, they got a Blue Jay in there as well as Whit Merrifield taking on Marcus Simeon of the Rangers. Marcus with a pretty commanding lead right now at 66% compared to 34. And honestly, the surprise season from the Rangers, I I think it's pretty comfortable he's going to hold on to that one. I, you talked about the Blue Jays maybe making a push for Vlad. I don't think we're going to see quite the same one for Merrifield. Yeah, this is a this is a, a matchup we're going to see a couple more times here in this all-star match, uh, voting ba- ballot right now uh, you know, where it's a Blue Jay versus a Ranger, it seems, uh, because you mentioned it. Rangers kind of a surprise season for many. Marcus Simeon has been a big part of that. Um, I believe he had a 27-game hit streak, 28-game hit streak at, at one point in time this season. I think it finally ended. Um, so, yeah, absolutely fantastic season from, from Marcus Simeon so far. Nothing to take away from Whit Merrifield. He's been absolutely fantastic. Let's not forget, he is also keeping Kevin Biggio from ever cracking the starting lineup there in uh, Toronto. Uh, but, yeah, so I'm going to go Marcus Simeon, also a former Blue Jay, fun fact, as well. So Marcus Simeon here, 
my pick at second base as well. Um, kind of sticking with the trend, but it just it just makes sense. I mean, we have Whit Merrifield has a higher uh, batting average. Everything else is in favor of Marcus Simeon. You have 11 home runs to two, 55 RBIs to 30, 804 OPS to 728. I mean, that's pretty obviously in, in Marcus Simeon's case, uh, favor. Very much so. And it'll be fun when it, we both expect that to hold. And the Rangers haven't had an all-star starter since 2012 when they had three of them, too. So a nice little streak yeah. might be coming to Old an end. Josh here, Hamilton. So. Yeah, Josh Hamilton, Mike Napoli, and Adrian Beltre. So it has definitely been oh, a Oh, I forgot since. about Mike Napoli. Yep. Yeah, they've had, it's been a long time, but... You know what? We're going to keep this same train going here as we had to third base. And you know what? We got ourselves a Rangers and a Blue Jays matchup here in third base, too. So we got Josh Jung taking on Matt Chapman of the, of the Blue Jays. And in this one, Jung is leading the way at 59% with 41% over Chapman. And I, know, I think Jung's going to hold on to this one, but I think it's a little bit closer to the numbers say. I think Chapman could make a good run for this one because their on-base percentages are virtually identical. Jung just has a couple more home runs. So I think it's close. But I, I kind of agree. I think Jung's going to hold on to it just by a smidge because I think it's just going to be really close. But I'm going to say Jung gets it because of the home runs. Yeah, I mean, you just said it. Uh, it's been since 2012. They had three starters for the Rangers. Uh, don't be surprised if they have three starters yet again this this uh, this all-star game at least. Um, Josh Jung should be one of them. Uh, he has a higher average, more home runs, more RBIs, slightly higher OPS. I mean, we're talking about .003 higher OPS. Uh, so very, very slim margins there, but, you, you know, everything else categorically is is in his favor. And, again, uh, talk about a, a, a driving cog behind this Rangers offense. It's Josh Jung, Marcus Simeon, and a guy we're probably going to talk about next. So give me Josh Jung at third. I will say, too, Jung would be the fir- first rookies Ranger to start an all-star game since they moved to Texas in 1972. So it's a long time coming. So that's definitely one to keep an eye out for as well. And you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. What do we have at shortstop? A Rangers versus a Blue Jays matchup. As we got Corey Seager for the Rangers taking on Bo Bichette for the Blue Jays. This one's a 60-40 right down there. And I think I think this, if any of them are going to have a bit of an upset besides Vlad Guerrero, I could see Bo Bichette getting a little bit of a push here just because he is a yeah. very household name at this point. But Corey Seager's had such a fantastic season. He has been a real, he's been one of the cogs behind the Rangers, it feels like. So I'm going to say Seager's going to hold on to this one, but it'll be a 55-45 when it's all done. Yeah, I mean, like I just said, this is the guy that that helps to drive this offense, and and really they're just keeping keep him uh, in in check on defense. You know, everybody always talks about shortstop being the quarterback of the defense for baseball. So um, you see that with Corey Seager a lot, getting guys in the right spot, always being in the right spot to self defensively. Um, Bobuchette, though, I mean, look, this fantastic player can't take anything away. This is probably the most even of the matchups here, as far as category, like speaking, like you know, statistically, Corey Seager has average, but Bobuchette has home runs and RBIs in his favor. But Corey Seager has over a thousand RPS or OPS, which is huge right now, uh, especially this season. We talk about people struggling to hit the ball consistently. Um, but yeah, this one for me, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards Corey Seager uh, again. I, I think there will be three starters for the Rangers. They're all gonna be within at least three starters for the Rangers. They're all gonna be probably in that in that uh, infield with Simeon Jung and Seager. Um, but yeah, this has been uh, been very interesting. Also, I wouldn't be surprised, but maybe the next. Maybe the next place where we go is uh, might might see another Ranger here as well. Absolutely. And on top of that, too, Seager does lead the AL in batting average and on base percentage, and he's third in slugging. So not too bad in numbers when you when you look at it down, down there as well. So next we're looking at the outfield. And right now we got six players in contention for the outfield right now. Mike Trout, as you'd imagine, leading the way at 22%, but not too far behind is Randy Arozarena at 22% himself. Aaron Judge, third at 19%. Jordan Alvarez from the Astros at 16 Adalas Garcia from the Rangers at 12%, and Kevin Kermier at 
from the Blue Jays at 9%. So it's a little bit top-heavy there. I think there's a little bit of room for some fluctuation. Obviously, Aaron Judge is not going to play in that one. So even if he is named a named one of those, it's someone else is going to bump into that spot. But I feel like outside of Trout and Rosarina, I think the rest of it's a little – there's some room there. There's some debatable room there, especially since Judge is not going to be able to play. Yeah, I think the big thing keeping this from being a Rosarena, uh, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout thing, obviously besides Aaron Judge not playing, um, will be somebody like Adolis Garcia, Garcia with his 19 home runs, 63 RBIs, 831 OPS, uh, Paul Street 258 average, but I mean still. And then you look at Jordan Alvarez, 277 average, 17 home runs, 55 RBIs, 977 OPS, which for him is pretty impressive. I mean, a guy that talk about on base plus slugging uh, shouldn't be that high considering he's mostly just a slugger, but learned how to hit the ball this, this time. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's safe to say we're going to have a, a Rosarena. We're going to have trout. Um, even though maybe trout, you might say this might be the season. Maybe he doesn't fully deserve it when you look at statistics, but it's going to be those two. And I think the third starter at least is probably, uh, this is where I don't know whether it's going to be a Ranger in the outfield or not. I think this one's actually going to go Jordan Alvarez. I just think Houston has too strong of a, a push there from their uh, their fans. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to go Jordan Alvarez and then Mike Trout and Randy Rosarena. I do think Aaron Judge gets named to the starters, but it's going to be Jordan Alvarez that replaces him. What's interesting is Alvarez is also dinged up too, so there's not really a timetable if he returns. Yeah. So those both are out. Then you're going down to well, that's where you see Garcia. Yeah, then, or Kevin yeah, then I see Adelise going Garcia stepping in. Yeah, I was going to say, then I see Adelise Garcia stepping in as a third-case scenario there. But, yeah, those are, those are kind of where I go with that. Kevin Kiermaier, while he's fantastic defensively, and this season has been offensively pretty good, um, I don't know if anybody's going to vote him in as a starter, let's just say. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an uphill track. But if we see the injuries continue like they do, you never know. I mean, he might get in by default yeah. to this, right? But now we're going into the catchers now. And we had Jonah Haim taking on Adley Rushman of the Orioles. So we got another Ranger in here. And this one's really close at 54% to 46%. But right now that's four Rangers currently leading in their races in Phase 2. And do you think uh, do you think Haim's going to be able to hold that one off as well? Or do you think we see a little bit of a push from Rushman at the, as, as it winds down? Adley, Adley Rutschman, he's one of those guys. Everybody loves this kid. He's a young guy. He's going to be kind of, he's kind of like the Buster Posey of catchers right now uh, as far as just being the new face of this young catching group. Everybody absolutely loves his, his abilities. I agree. I think he's a fantastic catcher. However, Jonah Heim right now is on something else. Uh, he has been absolutely fantastic. A guy that was supposed to be a part-time catcher this season absolutely dominated the role. And obviously, he benefited from his co-catching platoon partner however you want to call him getting a little dinged up so he could he took over a lot more time there but look he's 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 made the role his he is the he is the number one catcher there for texas um i think i think heim holds on to it right now the rangers are having a fantastic season this is where i this is where the more real realistic fourth ranger comes in as potentially being a starter uh, i don't see adelise garcia being named a starter so i think this is going to be where we see jonah heim maybe make that case um but it's tough i mean adley rutschman is a is a is a tough vote to be and baltimore fans when they actually get engaged well they can do a whole lot but i'm gonna go i'm gonna go this is gonna be a four starter here i'm gonna say jonah heim at this rate it feels like it's gonna the all-star game for the al is gonna end up being the blue rangers at this point is what we're gonna call it with a little sprinkle elsewhere but yeah. that's gonna, that is what we have now for the als we don't have the pitchers right now so we're gonna move on to the nls so looking at the nl we're gonna start at first base we got Freddie Freeman for the Dodgers taking on Matt Olson for the Braves. Kind of a fun Freddie Freeman versus the Braves thing there. But uh, Freddie yeah. Freeman leading the way with 60% to 40% quite comfortably here. And I feel like 
I don't think this one's going to change. I think Freeman's going to hold this by. He's a popular name, huge market. This one's not changing. It might even honestly even grow bigger. This is uh, this has been his position in the National League for a long time, and it will continue to be Freddie Freeman's until said otherwise. Uh, look, you post a three sixteen batting average as a first baseman. That by itself is enough to get you a pretty good nod of votes by just statistically. And then you add in he's a Dodger, the LA fan base. He's also still beloved by a lot of Braves. Um, a lot of players still love him too. I, I'm still a Freddie Freeman fan as well. Um, respect his game beyond belief. So I, don't get me wrong, Matt Olson having an absolutely fantastic season after coming over uh, from Oakland. So hard to take anything away from him there. He's going to be a great, great sub that comes in in the third inning in this game. But uh, it's going to be Freddie Freeman's to start out for sure. Absolutely. Look at the two. Olsen is is leading the NL in homers at 25 and RBIs at 60. But unfortunately, playing first base and going against the guy you replaced, it's it's tough sliding uphill, especially when you're batting like in the 230s, not very high. And then Freeman, yeah. as you mentioned, four career All Star starts, and this will be his first with the Dodgers. So I, that one, that one's I'm not gonna say it's a wash, but that one's done as well. We'll say. Yeah, this so, one, this is pretty well done. Second base, though, we're not done with the Braves. We got a nut, we got a more competitive matchup here. We have Luis Arias for the Marlins at 54% and Ozzy Albaez for the Braves at 46%. One of the closest races so far. Albaez with a pretty good season, 18 home runs, 0.810 on base per OPS. And then you got then you got, of course, Alvarez uh, flirting with a 400 batting average, leading the MLB and yeah. hits at over 100 already, and OPP at, at 0.451. So I think it's I think it's gonna be close down the stretch, but I think it's gonna. I think I think Arise is going to hold on to it, but it's going to be by a smidge. We're, I think this is going to be fifty-one forty-nine. Yeah, it's it's tough to vote against Ozzy, Ozzy Albies. I, I absolutely love Albies. I think he's a fantastic young player. But when you're flirting with a four hundred batting average, you're up there. And if he can actually keep that at about a four hundred clip, he actually finishes with one of the top twenty batting averages all time at the All Star break. Um, that's kind of crazy to think that hasn't happened since Tony Gwynn. Um, there's been very the closest was uh, Pablo Sandoval had a 375 a few years back um, with San Francisco. So it's been it's been a long time since we've seen that that high of an average. It's been very impressive to watch. Obviously, doesn't really produce in the home run and RBI category, but what he does produce is getting those getting those base knocks, setting the table for this Marlins team. This kind of surprising Marlins team as well. Um, Albies will have plenty of All Star oh, yeah. conversations in the future. There is no question in my mind. Ozzy Albies will be a long time. All-star for Atlanta. Atlanta fans, yes, you're fanatical, but I think this is the time to give credit where credit is due. I know it's the Marlins. I know it's division, but Luis Arez is has been a fantastic player this season. Uh, already hit for the cycle. Um, almost did it again. And, uh, yeah, give him, give him credit where credit is due here. I think and if he finishes with a 400 batting average at the All-star break, that's going to be absolutely insane. So uh, give me a res here for, uh, for the second base. As they, you can be fanatic, but game recognizes game, and there's a whole lot of game coming from coming from a riot from a riot. So that's going to take us now to third base, and this one kind of surprised me is that we have Nolan or Arenado for the Cardinals up 58 percent over Austin Riley for the Braves, 42 percent. The Cardinals have well, let's just face it, they stink. They're kind of terrible this year. They had decent expectations, and they're in a not great division, and they're terrible in that division. But Arenado has had a very very good season: 15 home runs, .786 OPS. Very, very all-star caliber as well. I'm surprised it's such a big gap, though. As you mentioned, the fanatical Braves fans, Austin Riley, pretty good season in, in his own right. The numbers are pretty pretty similar. So I think I think Arenado's going to hold this because Cardinal fans can also be a little bit erratic and a little bit wild, especially when their team stinks. Vote for something. So I think this one will probably the numbers will probably stay about the same, that 58-42. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question this is going to be Nolan Arenado's uh, another 
all-star nominee. Again, talk about a guy who's had this position pretty well unlocked since he came and kind of started coming to the league with Colorado. I mean, this moved over to St. Louis. He had a down year um, due to injuries, and now here he is. Uh, yeah, back again in the all-star conversation. Look, nothing against Austin Riley. Again, good season, really good season. Uh, but you're going up against a multi-time gold glove winner, a platinum glove winner in Nolan Arenado. And, uh, you know, Silver Slugger at third base a couple seasons as well. Um, so, yeah, give me Nolan Arenado. No doubt in my mind that this guy is going to be the starting third baseman um, in Seattle. I think well-deserving, uh, again, getting back to his form. So uh, good to see for for Nolan Arenado. Absolutely. And now we're going to move on to the shortstop. And we got a Brave out in front this time. We've talked a lot about the Braves yeah. today, and most of them have been kind of a little bit behind. But this one, they got Orlando Arcia for the, at 69% compared to Francis Francisco Lindor at 31%. And it's not, I'm not surprised that Orlando's out in front. I'm surprised you got a 69, nice, to 31 lead. That, that I think that's the part that surprised me is how big of a gap that is. I expected that to be a whole lot closer. Yeah, especially with Lindor leading in two of the three cat or two of the four categories, really statistically. Uh, unfortunately, though, his average has been awful. You're looking at a 226 average. He, I think, he, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, out of the the semifinals or finals, whatever you want to call this bracket here, uh, he has the lowest batting average out of all of them, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, tough to tough to really defend that, and I'm not going to. Um, so Orlando Arcia does, does deserve it. He is, he is, again, you talk about a guy with a high batting average, a higher batting average, setting the table for Atlanta and, and a team that's been doing really well in, in, in the, uh, NL East. So, um, give Arcia the credit here. And I think, again, talk about a starting, starting shortstop. Uh, it's Orlando Arcia for now and Lindor will again, he'll have his chance once he can figure out what he's doing with his bat. Yeah, absolutely. And now we're going to move on to the outfield. And Acuna already having locked, earned one of the starting out, outfield spots in the NL. So he is already locked in, which I guess we should have mentioned earlier. Otane with the locked in spot for the AL is the hitter as well, too. So yeah. like those two locked in. So for the for the NL, you got Mookie Betts leading the way for the Dodgers at 35%. Corbin Carroll for the Diamondbacks, the surprise Diamondbacks at 31%. Michael Harris, the second for the Braves at 19%. And Lourdes Guriel Jr. for the D-backs at 16%. And I don't see much changing in this one, honestly. I think maybe Lourdes can climb it, but I think those top three are going to, I think it's going to stay pretty damp, pretty pat. I don't think any of those percentages are going to take a big dip here in the next 22 hours. No, yeah. Corbin Carroll has been the darling of the league so far uh, as a rookie, um, potential rookie of the year winner here for the NL. Um, And Mookie Betts, look, again, talk about big name in LA, perennial all-star, continuously doing what he does. Again, no batting average for some reason. Just like Mike Trout hitting an exact same, 253. Don't know what's going on with those two, but you talk about two of the best hitting outfielders we've seen in our generation struggling with the bat this season. Um, but still, 852 OPS. Mookie Betts is going to be the second vote getter here, uh, second second uh, outfielder behind Acuna with Corbin Carroll taking up the third spot here. And I don't think that I don't think there's a whole lot changing, and and I don't think there should be a whole lot changing. I, I you know, Lord Guriel is. Had a good season. He's not going to pass his teammate Corbin Carroll, though. That's just not going to happen. Uh, Michael Harris, the second. Again, decent year for an Atlanta Braves team that's doing pretty well, but he's not even the best Braves outfielder. Uh, so, yeah, not happening here. But uh, they do get one in. The Braves at least will have one starter in Ronald Acuna. Absolutely. And I do want to mention, too, Carroll, if he does get the nod, which we it's all about locked in, I feel like we at this point as well, he's going to be the first rookie in Diamondbacks history to start the Midsummer Classic. So pretty nice yeah. feather in the cap for him as well. And, now we're going to head over to the catcher position. And 
I'm not going to lie. This one, this is one I think could change a little bit. It's right now. Sean Murphy is leading the way for the Braves at 56%. Will Smith, the fresh Prince for the Dodgers at 44%. And I think that, I think that some ground could be climbed there. It's a bit, it's a steep climb, but I do think that's one that can close the gap a little bit. I don't know if, I don't know if Smith could pull it off, but I think it can get a lot closer. Yeah. I think this is where, where you see Sean Murphy kind of pull away though. Um, I, while you think they might pull closer, I think this is where Sean Murphy pulls it a little bit further away. Uh, also, fun fact for statistics-wise, uh, Will Smith, the third slowest catcher this season to second base, uh, averaging about a 73.3-mile-per-hour throw every time he throws down to second base. Only 5% of uh, throwouts on attempts to throw somebody out at second when they steal. So very fun fact about that. So not a great arm for Will Smith either, but his bat is what carries him. Obviously, if you look at his statistics, uh, that is where he is dominated. 286, 12 home runs, 41 RBIs, 907 OPS. Just unfortunately, Sean Murphy's had a better year all around statistically. 289, 13 home runs, 44 RBIs, 925 OPS. Uh, it, and again, Braves right now doing what they're doing. Dodgers can lose the NL West uh, seat there uh, by the by the All-Star break if they really try hard enough. And it seems like mm-hmm. they almost want to if, if, at this point. But um, we'll have to wait and see on that. But yeah, I think, I think for this one, it's going to be Will Smith's going to be, again, coming in in the third inning, no big deal. It's not like you're not going to be on this all-star team. You're just not going to have the start here. And again, Sean Murphy will be the, the starting catcher. So Braves get another guy in the, in the, in the start. Absolutely. And so far the theme for a lot of we've had here is we think the numbers are pretty true. Maybe it's some change, but we think so far for the most part, we thought that they would hold true. Like we feel like the person who's out in front was going to hold it. This is where I, I am going to put my foot down and say, this is the one that I think changes as we look at the designated hitter. You have JD Martinez for the Dodgers at 53%. Bryce Harper for the Phillies at 47%. J.D. Martinez has been fantastic. He deserves the spot, and Bryce Harper has not quite been Bryce Harper, especially after missing some time. But I still think that Bryce Harper coalition is going to come through strong here in these last 20 or so hours. I think I think he's going to close that gap, and I think Harper's going to end up getting the nod. I think it's going to be real close, but he has a very, very strong coalition behind him, and I think I think this is where they come in late for him. Yeah, uh, this is a hot take maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's a reasonable take if you look at his season, his career. Bryce Harper's overrated. This year he has uh, not been his best. I agree. I'm saying the voting's gonna that's gonna come behind him. Uh, like I'm, I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna say all, all time in his career he has been overrated. Oh, well, that's um, I don't even think he. Take that. You know, let me I don't even think he deserves a, a Hall of Fame nominee. Um, if you look at his career so far, it just hasn't been up to snuff. When you compare him to the outfielders that came in in the same class, he is not even in the top five of that grouping. He just statistically is not there. Um, his biggest problem has always been and will always be his swing. He swings recklessly. He does not swing with actual any sort of ta- technique to it. It is as hard and as fast as you can, which also results in injuries, as you've seen. He to- tweaks his back a lot, tweaks his hamstrings. It's a whole systematic issue. Um, I'm also biased. I'm not a big fan of Bryce Harper, but I do think he is overrated, and I think we see it here. Um, I do think he has support in Philly. I just L.A. is too powerful with their fanship in, in this one, and J.D. Martinez is the most deserving of these two. Uh, I'm sorry. You cannot have 17 RBIs and be a DH, three home runs and be a DH. No. Uh, 51 RBIs and, what is it, 13? 18 home runs. That's a DH. Um, a DH does not hit for subpar average, subpar home runs, subpar RBIs, and subpar OPS. Uh, and and deserve an all-star spot that's just that doesn't deserve it so 
Uh, give me J.D. Martinez here as the uh, the all-star starter for the NL. And mind you, I'm not a Dodgers fan. I hate the Dodgers, and I'm still going with the Dodger here. Let me just go and circle back to uh, what we talked about a couple months ago. Who did you have winning the World Series in our preseason predictions? We're not going to talk about that. Okay, just want to make sure we were all on the same page there. But hey, I, I, did, I didn't expect them to suck so bad. Like, <laughs> if you look at that team, they shouldn't suck. And yet, here, here we are. You know what? I had the Angels going in there led by Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Well, I got that part right of it, but the rest of it's not looking too good. So, you know what? It, it'd yeah, be what wherever it'd be they good. go, they're led by those two. That's about as far as they go, though. That is the ultimate scenario. That is anyone who tries to say baseball is in a team game, I point you to Anaheim. That is all. You have two yeah. of the three best players in the game, arguably, two of the top five for sure. And look where you're at now. So I digress. We won't go into that. That is a whole separate documentary that we need to get a little, we need a little more funding for, but we'll get, that's another thing. And once we get the all-star teams and everyone announced, we'll be, we'll be sure to recap in there. Look who made it, look who didn't make it, go through those sort of things as well. But that is a job for another day as that is going to wrap up the tip off here. That is now going to take us into the second favorite part of every show for Kelsey. And that is the main event. And for the main event, we're going to go ahead and head on over to the hardwood. And we talked about it earlier. The NBA offseason is sometimes even better than the actual season itself, especially the regular season. And it's already kind of in full swing. A lot of big names rumored to move, some hitting free agency. So we're just going to go down a list, and we're going to find some places that we think would be really, really good fits. A couple of them that might be traded, a few of them that will be free agents. And we haven't, we don't have the trade machine handy, so we're not going to have the exact contracts worked out. They're, the teams get paid to do that, not us. So before anyone breaks out the ESPN trade machine and yells at me, this is just what we're going with off gut feeling. So, we might as well start with the biggest fish in the pond right now. Damian Lillard, may, will he stay or will he go? We don't know. But by all accounts, it's it not feels me. like – was that? I thought I was the biggest fish in the pond for this NBA free agency. I, that's a, I'm going to circle back to that later. But we're going to go – we're going <laughs> to we'll talk Damian Lillard possibly on the move. There is a chance he could get moved, and I think he honestly should for both the Blazers' sake and for his sake. I know he loves Portland, but – they have four guards and no bigs, and they're all all their players are young, and they're not going anywhere. There's not a single move they can make this offseason to make him a contender. So I think Damian should go. Yes. Question is, where should he go? I'm going to let you go and go first on this one. The consensus has been Miami. So do you think that's the best fit for him, or do you have another idea in mind? Do you or do you believe in Instagram live posts? Uh, because... Uh, from Dame, it has seemed to be very non-truthful um, in the past, and it continues to be a question mark as he posted again from a club with a Miami song playing in the background, or a song about Miami in the background. Uh, Jimmy Butler commented on the post, something, something, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, Dame, I still think the gymnastics can be done in, in Miami. I don't think Dame ends up in Miami it's I honestly think he stays in Portland one more year. I just, I don't, I don't think there's any, any way around it. I think this contract is just too much to do the gymnastics for it. I think, I think it's just, you have no choice, but to try to figure it out um, for this, at least this next season. And unfortunately for, for Dame, I don't think it's going to work too well. Obviously it's it's a tough situation, but yeah, I just I have a hard time thinking that any team can really pull off those gymnastics unless it's going to be a team that he really probably doesn't want to go to, um, and that's going to be a, a tough situation. So I'm going against the trend here. I'm going to say he stays in Portland. You know what? I it'd be interesting. I wonder how they're going to get him, Scoot, Simons, Shear. Like they are so really weirdly deep as smaller athletic guards who aren't really known as defenders but can get their own shot. So I feel like somebody's got to go, and I it wouldn't surprise me if he stays. 
I'm going to go on a – there's a lot of talk about him going to either, either Brooklyn as an option he likes because he likes Mikel Bridges. So I'm gonna, I think I'm going to stick with that one because they have a lot of trade assets as far as picks and things like that go. So I think that would be one that makes sense. I think that's a, a really, really good fit for him. Him and Mikel Bridges is a good duo. You'll you need to keep some of the bigs. There's some work to be done there. Honestly, one, a fun one that doesn't make I don't know how they'd make it work, but imagine if the if the Bucks decided to get into that. You basically trade anything. You could throw in Drew Holiday, a sign-and-trade with Chris Middleton, who's opted out of his deal, so he's out there. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Maybe throw in a younger big or something like that. I think Grayson Allen's still on there. I think maybe even do a three-team deal as well. I think there's a lot of weird, goofy ideas, but I – if I had to pick one, I'm going to say I'm going to go with Brooklyn because I think they have the most assets to pull the trigger, and it's kind of what Dame would be looking for as far as a team that can compete but isn't a super team. That's fair. I mean, I don't hate that idea by any means. Um, I do think that's you know a strong possibility. Uh, I also, you know, honestly, there's a sneaky there's a sneaky rumor out there that he might end up in Dallas if they don't re-sign Kyrie um, because Ooh, they get they get to that second apron. Yeah, it's like they get to that second apron, and they're like they're like fifty eight million dollars from that second apron. Where that's where you start really in the, paying the real penalties. Um, yeah, I, I, again, I don't know if they can pull that off. It would have to be like a one-year, two-year deal for, for for Dame. But like, if they could pull it off somehow, I think that's a situation where he might enjoy two years, fifty-eight million dollars. <laughs> you know, who knows? I don't know. Uh, it's tough though because his, his contract is just you got you got to find the right team and maybe even a three-team, four-team trade to even offset is is salary enough you got to get some some trade exceptions in, involved in these and and that's where a lot of things get weird with the nba's uh you know salary cap it's it, you know i just talked about the second apron there's a first apron then there's a luxury tax limit like there's so many different weird things about the nba salary so yeah i'd like to see i don't say i would like to see dame go somewhere else um i wouldn't mind and either brooklyn brooklyn would be a fantastic fit especially you know with what they have to work with um but I still think Miami would be a great, great, fantastic fit. I'd like to see yeah, him and him. I think him and Jimmy together would be absolutely fantastic to watch. Um, yeah, well, you get an actual three-point shooter too in Dame. Like, let's not kid ourselves. He's not going to be a, a questionable three-point shooter. He's not going to go disappear in four out of the five games in the finals. So, you know, he'll at least give you something. Honestly, if he goes to the Heat, they're automatically the favorites, I think, as well. If not, they are tied with the Bucks, depending on what the Bucks do. Like that is that is the favorites, and then the Celtics. But either way, we got a whole list to go through, so we'll get rolling. Speaking of the Celtics, we got Jalen Brown on the agenda now, who's up for a huge contract with the Celtics if he stays. They've wanted to, they've talked about trading him for like four four years in a row now. It feels like to the point where in our last one we joked about is if anyone deserves a no trade clause, it is him with the amount of stuff he's been through. Yes. So I'll go ahead and lead the way on this one with on the Celtics. The only way I trade him is if I'm going to go get Damian Lillard, if I'm going to pull off that trade to go get him, basically. Other than that, I'm going to keep him at this point. You brought in Kristaps Porzingis. You got rid of Marcus Smart, so it looks like you, you, need to keep, you need to keep these two. You still need a point guard, somebody to dribble up the ball. I th- they need somebody to do that, but Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, now Kristaps, I think. I feel like you got to try and keep him. It's a lot of money, but I don't. you're not going to get what you need in return unless you can go get like a Dame Lillard. That would be a... Perfect trade if you could pull that off, but I don't know how they do that. Yeah, I mean, so you talked about big money. I mean, because it's all NBA honors, he's eligible five-year, $295 million Supermax extension. It's absolutely insane amount of money. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think if you're the Celtics, you have to keep him. I don't think there's any question. You do what you have to do to keep him. Uh, you let Grant Williams walk. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon maybe figure out a way to get rid of him. Plus, you just got Kristaps with him. 
Could you imagine a front line where you see Chris Dobbs, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all guarding, and Marcus Smart, or not Marcus Smart, sorry. I just got traded. But you got, yeah, you have those three just sitting there guarding everybody. Like, that would just be terrifying. Just absolutely terrifying. And then, you know, add in Robert Williams down low. Like, good luck, anybody. Just throw throw, throw Brad Brad Stevens out there as your fifth man. Like, you have a great defense still. Um, it'd It'd be fun to watch. But yeah, I, I think I think in the Celtics you have to keep Jalen Brown. There's not a question in my mind. Uh, don't be surprised though if somebody like Houston comes a calling. Uh, you you know you talk about all the talent they have there, young talent. Maybe get a savvy do it all scorer like Jalen, who plays a lot of quality defense. Teach some of these young kids how to play defense and, and step up, and you might see uh, see Houston kind of take that step up. And they do have the cap space to uh, to bring him in. And he'd be back with Ime Udoka as well, too. So I think that's a quite yep. the fit there. So that used to be a very good one if they wanted to pull that off. Next, going down the list, we got Kyrie Irving hitting free agency right now. The Mavs are set to offer him the biggest contract if he wants that, but you got to find a situation that fits for him and one that he wants to go to. That is where it can be kind of tricky. So if you're looking to sign Kyrie, where do you think would be a good fit for him? Where does Kyrie want to go? If I'm Kyrie, where do I want to go? Um, I'll be honest and say I, I, I don't think, obviously, it was a fit in Dallas. I think that's safe to say. I don't think that's a re-signed t- situation there. Um, you know, with the way Kyrie carries himself and everything else, I, I, I always want to look to a Midwest team as a potential place for him because it's away from all the glitz and glamour that he complains about so much. It's away from all the spotlight. It's away from everything. I mean, think about his time in Cleveland. He was one of the best players in the league. Being away from a lot of that New York market, that Brooklyn market, even Dallas to some degree, that market. Um, I, I don't know. I think I think there's a Midwest team out there. I, I look at Detroit, obviously needing young quality talent um, with a great great coach there. Now um, you got some pieces there to work with, and uh, you know you have plenty of cap space. There's no question about the cap space. You could offer them pretty much all the money in the world if you want to. Uh, and Detroit fans would absolutely love him up there. Uh, more realistically, though, I think you you know he ends up on one of the coasts. Um, if Boston gets rid of Jalen, I think that's maybe there's a reunion in Boston. Um, you know, you talk about Miami potentially being in for Dame. Miami for Kyrie could potentially be a situation. Uh, but then you also add the question of does he is he following in LeBron's footsteps? So is that is that something he wants to deal with? And so. Um, there's a lot for Kyrie that it's it's an unknown because he is such a odd character. It's tough to tough to figure out which way he wants to go with this, but eh, there's any potential number of, of spots. But I, I honestly think Detroit could sneak up and, and snag him. That would definitely be something as well. You know what? I'm gonna go with a I'm gonna kind of stick with your Midwest team one. I'm gonna go with a little bit of an interesting choice. I'm gonna say we see a sign and trade with him in Dallas. That's gonna send him to Minnesota in exchange for Cat. Okay. I think. Cat and, and Gobert, plus they recently resigned the third center's name. I, for, slips my mind. That is way too many big people when you have Anthony Edwards as a slasher. You gave up the entire farm plus a side ranch to get to get Rudy Gobert. Might as well, you move Cat out of there. I think Cat's a great player. It's just not working in there right now. You get Luka a good second option that can kind of complement off of him. Kyrie, Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert helping on the defensive end. I don't know if Kyrie would love that. I don't know if that's quite what he's looking for. I don't know what the cap space and what other things they have to work with that, but Seems like a team that might make sense. Otherwise, it's 
like you said, Miami or the Lakers, maybe like, or even Dallas, just because that's the base, that's the base money you're going to get probably. So I think those are kind of the main ones we look at for sure. Uh, by the way, Nazarene, that's the center. You're Nazarene, there we go. Okay. Yeah. They just recently, that's way too, that's way too many towers. They don't have enough spacing there in Minnesota. So yes. one of them's probably going to go, I'd imagine. Next, we're looking at another player that surprisingly, I think he is going to do a pretty big market. Oh yeah. James Harden out there opting out with the 76ers can still go back with the 76ers. And honestly, I think he's going to Houston. I think where there's smoke, there's fire. I think we're going to see the Houston reunion. I think they got Jalen Green. They got a lot of really good young players. You bring in James Harden there, I think. And I just think he wants to go there. And Houston's going to look at that. We're going to be better with him. He's going to sell tickets. It's hard to turn down. And I think he just, it seems like he just really likes Houston. That is like his home city. So I'm going to go with Houston, although I, I don't think it's the best fit, but that's the one I think is going to happen. Okay. Um, well, he does have that player option for this season with the with the Sixers. So, very interesting to see if he leaves that. Uh, it's thirty six million dollars a year um, if he takes it. So, or thirty six million dollars for the year if he takes it. Um, I have a hard time seeing James Harden pass up on that option. I, I think he does fit with Joel Embiid very well. Um, and we actually saw a lot of James Harden of old uh, come out last year for Philadelphia, where he actually did start to play defense a little bit. It wasn't great. It wasn't the defense he was playing in early OKC days, but it was like the early Houston days where he actually would play defense. He'd actually poke balls loose. You know, he'd get in front of people occasionally. Um, and, you know, it, he also kind of finally learned how to not just flop his way to the free throw line for 22 free points. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think I honestly think he stays in Philadelphia. I don't think, there's, I don't think he leaves. I think he takes the player option at the end of the day. Um, stays in Philadelphia, gives it another run. I know they're a second, second round knockout, but in their situation, new coach, new everything, I, I think healthy Sixers team, it, it doesn't get knocked out in the second round. Definitely something to be interested, interested with him as well. I think he's got some pretty good options, underrated amount of options. I know he's an older player, and I know he was very up and down with the Sixers. One game he gives you 40, the next minute he's 3 of 19, but I think there's still going to be a really good market for him. Speaking of up and down, down wide open free throws or uh, uh, layups. Yeah, that's it. Speaking of uh, up and down, we got Russell Westbrook next as well, coming off a bit of a resurgence with the Clippers down the stretch after leaving the mess that was the Lakers. I'm going to let you go ahead and go first on this one. Where do you think the Brody should go? Where do you think would be the good fit for him and a good fit for the team? It's so hard to find a good fit for Russ because for a lot of the same reason with Kyrie, it's hard to find a fit because he's a different for for the opposite reason. So. Kyrie's is off the court. Russ's is on the court. He's such a dynamic point guard. I think there's a lot of places that could use his abilities, but not a lot that fit his abilities, if that makes sense. Um, I do look at Chicago, potentially, though, because with the questions with Lonzo Ball, that does free up some cap space as well for him. So they could go get Russ, could get that high-energy high point guard to run alongside DeMar, Zach Levine, and the rest of this team and see what you can do. Um, but you don't have a whole lot of time with that 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 Bulls team. This might be the last really hurrah at it, um, and maybe before they fully blow it up, this is their last last you know say so. So I'm going to say Chicago uh, goes and makes a run for Russ. Uh, I do think it would be probably a, a tougher sell to get Russ into Chicago. Um, I do think he enjoys the LA lifestyle, enjoys being with the Clippers, but I, I think it's a situation where he probably ends up in Chicago. I think the tough part is the Clippers can't really offer much money with their cap situation. Yeah. Like they're basically gonna have to offer him the minimum. So he's gonna have to be like, you know what? I like this and I'm gonna stay here. And although he's yeah. a Jordan athlete, so maybe Chicago works in that way. But for me, when I look at Westbrook, I'm gonna go a little bit 
We're going to go a little bit wacky with this one. I'm going to take him to the opposite coast, and we're going to drop him in Miami. We talked about that a lot. I, I know he can't shoot, but you get his high energy, his defense, along with Jimmy Butler, who's we've seen the, every time they get on a playoff run, he carries that team, carries it, then it just kind of slows down a little bit. It's not going to happen if you put Russ next to him. You have Bam down low. They already are the most weird shooting team and the worst in the regular season, the playoffs hit, and they shoot 44% up until the finals. So I don't his shooting is going to be what it is. You will have Tyler Hero coming back, Duncan Robinson. So I think you can put shooting around him. We've seen Butler and a lot of those players move without the ball, and you don't have to give up any of your assets to get him. You get to keep some of those undrafted guys like Caleb Martin, et cetera. So I don't mind the idea of Russell Westbrook going there, and they talk about heat culture all the time, all that sort of stuff. You know that uh, Eric Spolster is going to coach up and find different ways to utilize his skill set as opposed to asking him to sit in the corner and shoot three. So, Oh, God, maybe, yeah, don't do that. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Russell Westbrook in Miami might not be a bad fit, and you can stagger minutes a little bit like him and Jimmy and that sort of thing. I do, I do like the idea of him going to Miami. I don't. Again, you talk about a guy who would come in and kind of fit. I mean, really, he, we all know what Russ is about. He wants to win. He will do literally anything to win. But more importantly, he's a hard-nosed type of point guard. He's an old-school type of point guard where who's not afraid to get into the paint and go get a rebound. Uh, and unlike their current point guard in Kyle Lowry, I think that Russell can come in and actually give you 10 points consistently can give you 10 points and at least 12 to 15 assists probably can even chip in eight rebounds. If he really wants to, I don't know oh, how many bam. At the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. If you, if you let him play enough, he will, but I, I don't know if bam or Jimmy would allow him to get to 10 rebounds, but he could sure as heck try. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I like, I like the idea of Russ going to Miami. My only question is just when you talk about a guy coming in like that and all the baggage he brings, and we already know how Jimmy, is with other stars, budding stars, guys with supposed egos. Um, Andrew Wiggins, cat to be the name examples here. Uh, you know, it's. It, it, I do wonder how that will be, especially when you already saw Jimmy and Udonis Haslam get into it. And we all know Haslam's going to be on this coaching staff. I don't think there's a question about that going forward. So then you have Udo, Russ, and Jimmy on there. Is that a explosion waiting to happen? I don't know. But on the court, it could be a lot of fun. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. That could definitely be interesting as well. Next moving down the list, we got Chris Middleton opting out of his deal with the Bucks and looking to hit free agency. There is a chance he could resign with the Bucks. That might be just what they're doing is look for a new deal. But either way, he is out on the market. And Kelsey, where do you think is a good fit for Chris Middleton? Uh, if I'm the Bucks, I'm not letting Chris Middleton go. <laughs> what do you want, Chris? Here you <laughs> go. Uh, I don't. It, there's unless like unless Dame ends up in Milwaukee, unless that's the, the the situation there. And if that's the case, then I'm Chris Middleton. I'm like, hey. Milwaukee, um, money, 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 money. But yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm gonna say I don't think he leaves Milwaukee. I think he stays. I, this is I'm kind of playing this way the whole way down because last year I told everybody was going everywhere else, um, and I was wrong. Um, so maybe I want to play this one a little more conservative. And I'll be wrong again, but I'm gonna say Chris Middleton stays. I do think there's a couple good places for him. I do think a sneaky good one though is Sacramento. Um, they do have some some space to play with there with the cap. And, well, small forward seems to be a position that, that could be filled there. I know technically Middleton is a shooting guard, but they'd like to play small ball so he could easily slide to that three, play as a small forward, fit in pretty well with that team um, going forward. And then we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to say he stays in Milwaukee. I think that's the more, most realistic option. Um, but Dark Horse, maybe Sacramento makes a move. You know, I, I I kind of agree. I think I think Milwaukee's the smart move for him. It makes the most sense. It lets him utilize his best skill set. You get to play 
with a Giannis and, and a Drew Holiday. I think it just makes sense. Injuries kind of threw you off down the stretch last year, and you had a very rough. I think you, I think you could run it back there. I think that is the best fit. Another option, if he hits there, is maybe the Knicks. You have Jalen Brunson. You have sometimes Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson cleaning up boards. Get you another outside inside scorer who can shoot from all levels. That way, Julius Randle's not shooting fadeaway threes as much. Get, that way, he can go down to fighting people on the block a little bit more often. Just gives you a little bit more well-rounded scoring as opposed to having to Tom Thibodeau defensively fight everybody every possession. No, that's fair. That's that. I think that's you know what. Yes, <laughs> as a strong possibility. Yes. And next moving down the list, we got probably the shortest guy on the list. Well, not probably, definitely. We got Fred Van Fleet opting out of a huge deal with the Toronto Raptors, and it looks like Toronto's even willing to offer him a lot of money too, but looks like he's going to go and test free agency. So I'm going to let you lead the way. Where do you think is a good fit for Fred Van Fleet? Oh, fleet of foot Van Fleet. Um, I mean, honestly, I want to say he ends up back in Toronto again, but that's more just like Toronto's the only team that gave him a chance. But Toronto kind of sucks. Um, so does he want to hang his hat there? Or maybe, just maybe, there just happens to be a team over there in Philadelphia with a former coach of his that gave him that chance. Um, and again, if they don't re-sign James Harden in a $36 million contract, wow, there just happens to be a lot of cap space open for this guy to come in here. I think if... it's uh, Pending what James Harden ends up doing, I think Fred Van Fleet ends up in, could end up in Philadelphia. But if he doesn't end up in Philadelphia, they re-sign Harden, I think he stays in Toronto. I don't think – I think it's one or the other. Yeah, we're not going to have a whole lot of parody on this one. That was my one, and that was my fit form too. You reunite with Nick Nurse, you get Joel Embiid a guy, and you give a point guard for Joel Embiid to throw the ball to shoot threes when he's open. Playoffs to Tyree, Tyrese Max, you have Tobias Harris. It just makes all the sense in the world. And his, def- his defensive – deficiencies due to his size in some situations you have Joel and be back there to kind of help clean those up and Tobias Harris who can help as well so I think that's it's the perfect fit it doesn't get much better than that so you're not gonna hear too much uh back and forth from me on this one so next we're gonna go to the last name on this list and we got hands of stone Draymond Green hit opting to hit free agency and uh I'm gonna keep mine short and sweet I think he's just sticking with the Warriors they got rid of Jordan Poole they just there's nowhere else for him to go really it's the perfect fit for him where else where else is he gonna go well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Miami just so happens to be a strong possibility for some reason. I heard this one today that Miami is potentially going to reach out to him uh, once the deadline o- or restrictions open up on the uh, on Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, also on the 38th at 6 p.m. Eastern time, that potentially Miami is going to reach out because you talk about the Miami way, having that kind of hard-nosed Udonis Haslam-type player, potentially. But I'm with you. I'm actually really in the mindset that he ends up with Golden State again. I think they sign him for a lot less money. But, yeah, Miami seemed to be one of the ones that I, I heard of, and I was kind of shocked. I can't even lie that Draymond was that situation. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's – all right. Well, whatever you guys say, Miami, you seem to be in on everybody. So that's what I took from it. Uh, but I'm going to say I'm gonna say he ends up back at Golden State. Uh, I've kind of been boring in this one and not really fought too much for these guys to go anywhere weird. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to say Dre ends up – just stays just stays right there in Golden State. Well, one that I thought was interesting is there was a lot of talk about him uh, maybe going to your your Sacramento Kings. So I yeah. think that would be interesting as Fight well. Me. Hmm. Fight me, Draymond. I will not allow that to ever happen. No. Hmm. Well, you no. know what? That'll definitely be interesting to see where he goes. But that those ones, along with plenty of others, are set to hit free agency, and we'll definitely, or even you know, heading to 
potentially in trade talks. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that as the NBA offseason, the most fun part of the NBA season, arguably, starts to take fold. But that is going to do it here for the main event. That's going to take us now into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. And that is, of course, Crunch Time. Crunch Time brought to you by Outlier. Best smarter, not harder. Outlier.bet backslash high low sports to get yourself a free seven day trial. All the odds, trends, everything you need to know to place your bets, bet, best bets, and win yourself a little bit of money. And so, Kelsey, as we head into crunch time, I'll go and lead the way with what I got for this one. We're going to the cage, we're going to the octagon, but in the most unusual way possible. Is we have a big fight potentially happening, but we'll wait and see. As we got basically a billionaire battle, is what I'm going to call it. We got Elon Musk potentially taking on Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Twitter, taking on the head of Facebook. I don't care what Dana White says. This is the ultimate uh, gimmick fight, but that doesn't change the fact that everybody is going to tune in. It is going to be one viewed by millions. And I, it's weird when you look at it. Mark Zuckerberg, obviously has years of jujitsu training. He's done it for, he's done. We talked about it a few weeks ago too. He's, he's well known to do it. That being said, Elon Musk is a lot bigger of a dude than he is. He is a lot heavier, a lot lengthier. Does he know how to throw a punch? Does he know how to do anything? I have no idea. But I, well, according according to, to reports on Twitter, he has been uh, sparring with guys and some and and some of them have, you know that have had MMA experience before. They have surprised some some people. So we'll see about Elon. We'll see what they mean by surprise. They said the same thing about CM Punk when he started training as well, and that didn't quite go as well. What I what I do know is though, what anyone who's done jujitsu or anyone who thinks it's easy or anyone who's like, oh, it's nothing, go into a jujitsu gym and go say, I want to take on the smallest guy here. Especially if it's no. one that ta- that teaches you like, especially if it's one that teaches like self defense. They will choke you with your own shirt. They will strangle you, and they will avoid punching if they do the self defense te- teachings as well. So, no matter how much experience Zuckerberg has, in G- or either either one of them has, if it goes to the ground, I'm, I think Zuckerberg is going to run away with that one. Because even with the size discrepancy, you learn a lot from jujitsu. It teaches you a lot how to fight and use leverage in those situations. And anyone who's done it even for a few minutes. If you don't know what you're doing, you're gonna get your ass whooped real quick, and it's gonna you're gonna you're gonna blink and you're gonna be in a pretzel, and it's gonna hurt. So if, look, hopefully they uh, both are training well. If this is gonna happen, I, even I know you don't go into a gym and ask to see the smallest person in, in in the ring. Just don't do it. Like I would probably try to take on the biggest person, and I would still be dead in a second. But like but you, you know what, <laughs> I at least get a second. I don't get a second with the smallest guy. That guy's like a spider monkey. He's just gonna jump on you and take you out. But no, I do. I, do, I will say this is the, the 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 nerdiest war of all nerd wars um, here between Elon and Zuckerberg. It's uh, do you want to have Meta or do you want to have SpaceX? Here is the winner is the big question um, for every single marketing person out there. As and and the answer is I don't know. Um, can I have maybe a, a, a tie? Maybe hmm. a I don't know. Uh, well, here I'll give you. We'll give you this new scenario. It's all for charity. What we'll do is we're, we're going to make it more. We're going to make it more freak show fight. I, me versus both of them either at once or we can rotate them one at a time if they survive the first round then all the money goes to charity if they if they both get out of the, if they both don't make it out of the first round then i get 0.0001% of their combined net worth and all the proceeds they go to charity you mean so by charity it means it goes to highlight sports right that's no but that's where our 0.001% comes in the rest of it will actually oh, go okay. to charity like it's planned i'm of just their, saying like, of their net of their combined oh yeah absolutely go on dj's got this yeah, i'm not exactly. worried you know, i'm not worried got, about that there we go. So that a fun way to, but it's definitely the most interesting thing I think we've seen come out of the quote unquote sports world recently. We'll see if it happens. I still don't, I'm still not fully sold that it happens, but I'm definitely going to keep my eyes on it. Yeah. That one's a little, little weird. I got to say, uh, Elon versus, uh, it's a lot of weird. Uh, I never thought I'd see that day. Not at all. But all right. So in crunch time, Kelsey, what are we looking at for you? Well, I'm going with a little history on ice here. Uh, and that is Tennessee state. 
and their new announced hockey team. Starting in 2024, Tennessee State will be the, become the first HBCU school to have a hockey team. It's going to start out as a club hockey team and eventually work its way into a D1 men's program, as well as hopefully a female t- program as well. Um, they just have to get enough recruits there. Now, interestingly enough, this was announced just hours before the NHL draft today uh, in Nashville, ironically, is where the draft was. And this is in part because their partnership with the Predators, uh, they do have a partnership with their medical team, or with their medical school at um, with the National Predators to kind of, you know, basically feed in trainers in and out of the program. And it has eventually laid on what is now the this entire um, hockey program with Tennessee State. It's a fantastic situation. It's something that we, you know, we talk about yeah, a lot of equality in sports, a lot of, uh, you know, trying to bring things to the forefront. We've talked a lot about HBCUs in the past, and it's just another situation here where you see a yet another growth in the HBCU programs. You see what is a fantastic first step here. Uh, I'm interesting because they're, they're playing in the club hockey scene. There just happens to be a collegiate South League there with Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama, Auburn. Uh, potentially, they could add a sixth team there and uh go into that same program there and i think i believe troy is the uh the fifth team that's in that in that in that um club hockey uh division i guess is what it is so yeah it'd be very interesting to see tennessee state here um 2024 what they're going to roll out with with some hockey but they'll be, they will have a whole lot of great coaches because they are going to be working with the predators here to get them on par um there looks like they're going to be using kind of the predators assistant staff it seems like to to start coaching the team before they can get a full program going before that d1 program rolls out so as the as the club hockey team gets going it's going to be uh, probably one of the best coach club hockey teams out there because these guys are, are are training for the nhl um so it'll be very interesting to see going forward i'm super excited about this one uh gotta be honest i might be buying a tennessee state hockey jersey will i ever wear it probably not but you know what that and the Auburn one, and even uh, there's a Georgia one that's sick too. I, I want all of them. Um, I just don't want an Alabama one. That's all I, all, all I know. Yeah, I don't blame on that one. But that is pretty awesome to see Tennessee State shattering shattering some uh, glass ceilings there, if you will, making a little bit of a change in the sports world. I'm definitely looking forward to see how this progresses as well too. I hope it's not something that's really short. I hope it's something that they build on a lot and it continues to grow as planned. Hopefully there's no setbacks or side-winding roads. Exactly. You know, it would be fun to see. I, you know, this is a full rollout plan, just like they would do for any other – like college football program or college baseball program, starting the club level, work its way up to D1. So I believe it's a four-year process, um, but uh, yeah, f- maybe five-year process, depending on how, if they hold off in one of the divisions or something. So we'll have to wait and see. It'd be very interesting, though. Absolutely, definitely, for sure. And anyone who's tuned in for the last handful of weeks has known that I've decided to end the show a little bit on just a little bit of, I'll call it life advice. We're going to call it life advice with DJ at this point. When it's far from life advice, it's mostly just kind of pointing out the obvious, but one thing I wanted to point out today is, as we all know, life is very, very unfair. The, it's de- Not everyone's treated equally. Not everything works the way you want. Life is very, very cold. It is a cold world out there. So to that, I want to say, whatever you can find to keep yourself warm. It Basically, it's a cold world out there. If you can find a blanket, whether that's people in your life, someone close to you, hold that blanket nice and tight. Keep it really, really snuggle that up with that thing like you're a baby. Sometimes it'll, sometimes it'll start to stink a little bit. Other times it'll be covered in dog fur or dog anything. Sometimes they'll need to be washed. Go ahead and wash it, but don't let that blanket go. It's a cold world out there. Whoever that blanket is for you, keep them nice and tight and never let them forget that they are your blanket. So always find a way to stay warm in this cold world we have out there. 
There you have it. Well, that'll do it for us today on High Low Sports for yet another week of us. Uh, be sure to check in next Tuesday for more of our Tier Tuesdays as we hit Week 2. If you missed Week 1, it is up live on our YouTube channel right now. Uh, you can check all our socials for links to that or our YouTube. You guys can watch us there as well. You can also catch all of our old broadcasts in the live category on our YouTube. It's now in a fancy little playlist by itself. So very cool to check it out. But guys, as always, we appreciate you tuning in, and we will see you guys next week.